0: And welcome to another episode. Today, I will just be recording two articles from the Financial Standard that was published on the 31st of May, 2021. Enjoy. The first article is called Five Trends to Watch in China. The start of 2021 has seen China's economic growth accelerate as its recovery continues and the impact of stimulus measures introduced last year feed through the economy. China was first in first out of the COVID-19 induced economic slump, avoiding a significant second wave. It has therefore rebounded rebounded earlier and quicker than other major economic needs, setting the scene for strong economic growth throughout 2021. Indeed, most activity levels are now back to re, re- relatively normal states, as shown in Chart A, activity data continues to recover. One key metric for China's ongoing economic potential is customer confidence. In recent months, consumers have regained the confidence to spend and the consumer consumption is now beginning, um, sorry, becoming a more significant driver to the economic growth. However, compared to the major global economies, private consumption in China still lags. It currently, it's currently accounts for around 39% of GDP compared to 69% in the US. 55% is Japan or 54 in the Eurozone. But consumer confidence in China is set to rise further as China transitions from an investment-led to a consumption-led economy. This means that there is a significant investment potential in the consumer-oriented companies in China, both short and long-term. There are five key trends for investors to watch. Number one, the e-commerce. E-commerce is China, in China is expanding at ever-increasing rate. As was seen across global markets, the impact of the pandemic has provided a huge boost to online sales. But when the population number, numbers and demographics of China are also taken into account, the potential enormous. In China, the main beneficiaries of pandemic restrictions have been those areas where online sales haven't yet taken hold. For instance, online ordering and delivery of fresh foods and groceries has seen a step change. And so too have purchased purchases of home appliance such as air conditioning units, which were previously the domain of bricks and motor stores. Number two, market share. Many consumer companies that were already leading the market have managed to increase their market share over the past 12 months, particularly in areas such as home appliance, sportswear, education and home furniture. We are now seeing the largest players achieve even greater economies of scale, growing faster and cut prices in order to consolidate market share. While the profitability of some of their smaller competitors Declines. One example is the media media of the world's sorry, one of the world's largest home appliance manufacturers. In 2019, it reduced the prices of its air conditioning units to the lowest level in a decade, taking advantage of the demand from those wanting to work from home. This move has already only already had a small impact on its profit. Margin margin and it's still looking at positive earnings growth in 2020, while some of its smaller competitors are likely to post losses. Investment in new technology. Notably, automation and inventory management is also enabling larger players to cut unit costs. Number three, local versus overseas demand. There is starting to be a shift in local versus overseas spending, both in how some Chinese citizens spend their money and the amount of overseas money coming to Chinese companies. It has been estimated that Chinese consumers account for over a third of global luxury goods spending before COVID, but traditionally only a small percentage of this has been Chinese products. However, in the past few years, the Chinese government has taken steps to encourage domestic spending and to support consumption within the country rather than abroad. For instance, a couple of years ago, the value added tax, the VAT, was cut from 17% to 13%. The effect of measures such as these has helped to make overseas spending relatively less attractive. The pandemic has boosted this trend with international tourism constrained by lockdowns and quarantines. There has been a recovery in domestic tourism which is expected to continue even after the pandemic abates. Number 4, luxury versus market mass. Mass market, sorry. Over the past decade, the trend in China has been for the consumers to upgrade their spending to higher quality goods and services as average income rise. But more recently, there has been a shift in some segments. With the result result that consumer behaviour has become more polarised, strong demand for luxury brands has continued, particularly cosmetics and autos. But we have also seen consumers become more value conscious. As a result, the market is polarising into those that offer a strong luxury brand and those that offer good value for money. Companies in the middle are facing the greatest pressure. And number five, online integration. Imagine a classroom with one teacher and 5,000 students. This big class live broadcasting business model is one example of how consumer sector companies are seeking to merge their online and offline service offerings. Education providers are starting to use live broadcasting to hold classes, with artificial intelligence enabling teachers to monitor their students' level of focus and attention. Teaching assistants then follow up with homework and answer any questions. This approach has grown significantly. In 2020. It's an approach that other companies are also pursuing. For some companies, the aim is to make the supply chain more efficient by storing stock closer to the end consumer, in turn, reducing shipping times and costs. As an example, sportswear manufacturer ANTA Sports announced the acquisition of 30% of its distributors. Other companies are introducing promotions such as award online award awarding online purchases with points for future offline purchases. This investment in technology, in terms of the de- databases, supply, change, and inventory management systems, will be significant. Outlook: While the Chinese government recently announced its official growth target has been set as above 6%, it is likely that the growth will will be quite a bit stronger. Growth of about 6% would suggest an abrupt tightening of this policy this year, which there is so far little sign of. We suspect that the authorities are trying to anchor medium-term expectations. In the short term the focus of, sorry the focus may remain on COVID-19 and its impact on people and their economic activity globally but in China with restrictions of movement now largely lifted and the government's track and trace system working effectively the outlook for growth in China's consumer sector remains strong. Shops, restaurants and other services have been able to reopen and consumers have regained the confidence to spend. As a result, the consumer sector is now picking up more meaningfully and there are good opportunities for investors to take advantage of this emerging trend. Now for the second article, which is called self-licensing, the first 12 months for businesses for business owners wishing to have a greater control, obtaining their own A of a can be appealing, but the step up is in resources and accountability is not to be underestimated. Knowing where to focus in the first 12 months can help in balancing new obligations with continuing to deliver the best outcomes for clients and the business. The new AFSL holders often come to a, from a dealer group where they are used to having their legal and regulatory obligations assessed by others. Their license would have then communicate any new requirements via policy updates and training events. As a, an AFSL holder, they need to be ready to examine the regulatory guidance and make choices about how to apply it. For, for the most, this is a new territory and even the most experienced practice principal can find this a significant step up in their knowledge. However, they can build a capacity, capacity sorry, capability to make capability, sorry, to make a successful transition. The right partnership and peer communication community can bring practices up the curve quickly to assist in making critical changes to business strategy resources and operations so they can deliver on these new responsibilities focus areas In a profession dedicated to delivering the best financial outcomes to clients, it's only natural that the majority of resources are focused on client acquisition, service delivery, and retention. Success in meeting AFSL obligations takes a reasonable shift from systems and staff focused on servicing customers to fulfill AFSL compliance and reporting responsibilities identifying priorities that can help businesses maintain client focus while making necessary changes is crucial in that first year team review current skills and competencies objectively assess the skill set and knowledge of the whole team to determine if they have the capability capability to manage the AFSL responsibilities. Staff can often adapt to meet the new requirements but only if they are provided with the time and support and sometimes this can be in supply in a busy practice. Explore suitable training and mentoring opportunities. For team members, training might include learning multiple regulatory systems and acquiring Other specialized knowledge associated with managing AFSL obligations. Practice principles may benefit from coaching and accountability and decision making so they can make the changes required to ensure the operations meet the AFSL standards for compliance and reporting. Fill the gaps. If time constraints rule rule out upskilling existing staff, There may be a need for new hires or outsourcing. Exploring ways to resource their AFSL outside the existing team can mean tough decisions are aligning the employee base with a new direction for the business. Systems and processes. Get organised. Prioritise having everything in place early so there is no risk of falling behind on due diligence. Data capture or reporting obligations, this can involve introducing new meetings, reporting or oversight mechanisms to business processes. Holding regular meetings with staff and external experts is crucial to ensuring the progress of AFSL related activities. Make tasks and outcomes visible. A regular forum for reviewing progress is also a good way to reach consensus of who is responsible for actions and outcomes, both in the transformation process and the practices new AFSL decision-making and reporting activities. Creating a workflow to track and measure AFSL tasks and milestones can drive accountability and make it clear that the regulatory process, processes and outcomes are just as important as client service deliverables. Small changes, big impacts. How does a practice best identify what to outsource and how to achieve this swiftly? Revisit the practices, values, proposition to understand where your core competencies lie. Determine where your most value can be added. Given current capabilities and IP, for example, is developing bespoke advice policies and templates a strength? Or is it more appropriate to bring in external resources to assist? In essence, where should resources be allocated to maximize value? While some new AFSL holders may outsource to fill capability gaps, keeping things simple can be key to ensuring the sustainability of the business in the first 12 months. This may mean keeping systems and processes as consistent as possible and leveraging off existing resources within a practice. Integrating or building new functions that aren't core to the business can be expensive and in efficient. Don't go it alone. When it comes to making astute judgments about which providers can deliver support that can fit within the business model and value propositions, speaking to more experienced AFSL holders can be invaluable. There are AFSL communities offering peer-to-peer interaction in a formal and informal way, such as the BT principles community. Early interactions with the peers can help focus on key priorities and select providers who are well regarded in the license community. While ultimately it's the practice directors who are responsible. Support from peers can assist with making a better informed choices. A worthwhile investment. The t- The transition to holding an AFSL takes a significant commitment of time and resources. However, the rewards can be equal. For example, a deeper understanding of the risk can help run a practice that's more aligned to your culture and to the client's experience. As an AFSL holder, you may decide what level of risk is acceptable in... Sorry acceptable in order to meet regulatory standards and is consistent with your customer service experience. So if you want to use a different technology to deliver statements of advice, for example, you can make that t- determination. Businesses often find they can resp- respond more quickly to seize opportunities because they don't have to wait for their licenses licensee to make decisions. In the past, they have been acting on their third-party AFSL guidance, which may be either too broad or limited to support a more agile business approach to regulatory change. Running a nimbler, nimbler? more competitive practice in today's fast-paced, ever-changing business environment is just one of the draws of holding an AFSL, AFSL license. That was the two articles out of today's financial standard magazine i hope you enjoyed and learned something new thank you enjoy the rest of your day bye